this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast my name is jayan shriram and i'm your host for today In this episode we're discussing China's plans to build a major hydropower project on the Brahmaputra river and it's a topic that because of the geopolitical situation between the two countries assumes a strategic affairs context here's the story so far China has made public a plan to build a dam in the lower reaches of the Yarlung Zhangbo river before it crosses the border from Tibet into Arunachal Pradesh and flows on to become the Brahmaputra The plan is mentioned in the draft of China's new 5-year plan which is set to be passed in the National People's Congress the country's ceremonial legislature while China has one operational hydropower project and three others under development in the upper and middle parts of the river previous plans for a dam in the lower reaches had failed to be cleared but the inclusion of this project now in the 5-year plan suggests that it has got to go ahead and it will mark a new chapter in the hydropower exploration of the river so what are the details of this project that we know of and what should india's concerns be if any water sharing as we know is always a politically sensitive issue even more so when the river in question flows through national boundaries these are the questions we'll take up in today's episode and i'm joined by anand krishnan the hindu's beijing correspondent Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us and making time today. Thank you so much, Jayan. Right. So uh, you have a story out today, which we will link to, of course, along with this podcast, and it's about China, you know, setting out its new um, five-year plan, the outline of the new five-year plan, and it talks specifically about plans for downstream dams on the Brahmaputra. So um, I just um, let's just start by. you know getting some specifics from you about what is this new 5 year plan and what does it say specifically about plans for the brahmaputra right uh, just to give our listeners some context uh, currently china's national people's congress which is the communist party controlled and largely ceremonial legislature which meets every year is holding its annual session in beijing uh, at the start of the session uh, on friday on march 5th usually you have new important policy documents that are submitted to the npc which uh, in theory debates these and then passes and approves these documents as policy when the npc session concludes this year's npc is somewhat special as every 5 years uh, china still of course g- carries on with the with the old uh, soviet era style 5 year plans which are still very important in terms of setting out chinese policy 2021 marks the start of the 14th five year plan and of course last till 2025 so on friday we had a draft outline of the 14th five year plan that was submitted to the npc along with another longer term vision for 2035 it lists out a number of projects infrastructure projects energy projects uh, and so what we were reporting in today's story is that one of the priority energy projects listed under the new 5 year plan is to build a hydropower base in the lower reaches of the yarlung zhangpo river uh, which is what the brahmaputra is known as in china of course the brahmaputra has its origins in tibet flows down through tibet and enters arunachal pradesh 
and of course, there's so many people in India whose livelihoods depend on the Brahmaputra, uh, and it goes further south to Bangladesh as well. So what the plan says, Jayant, is that for the first time, a hydropower dam is going to be built on the lower reaches of the river. And this is, of course, interesting for India because this refers to the segment of the river in Tibet that is closest to the border with India. So it's not as if, uh, is this the first dam that uh, uh, the Chinese are building on that part of the Brahmaputra or do they already have existing um, dams on that river? So, Jayant, as far as we know, uh, the first dam on the Brahmaputra was operationalized in 2015 in a place called Zangmo. And this is on the upper reaches of the Yalung Zangpo River in Tibet. Three other dams are have been announced that are under construction. It's possible that one of them or two of them have already been operationalized. And these are also on the upper or middle reaches of the river. Now, what's interesting, Giant, is it isn't new for Chinese hydropower companies to want to tap the lower reaches. Uh, I've been following this for a decade now where Chinese hydropower companies have been lobbying the government in Beijing to allow dams on the lower reaches. And the reason, Giant, is because the lower reaches actually have the highest hydropower potential. That's because of the terrain, and that's particularly because of an area uh, called the Yalungzangpo Grand Canyon uh, in Medog County in Tibet, right across the border from Arunachal Pradesh, an area called the Great Bend. If you look at any map, any, if you can easily find this on Google Maps, this is a very characteristic feature of the course of the Brahmaputra, where it essentially does this massive U-turn right before it flows into Arunachal Pradesh. Now, here it kind of very spectacularly falls over two kilometers. And according to Chinese studies that have been done, this is all over China, pretty much the spot in the entire uh, country that has the most hydropower potential. And according to estimates that the Chinese uh, engineering groups have done, uh, they think that this could be twice the size in terms of hydropower generation of the Three Gorges Dam, which all of us have heard about. So that's why they've always looked at this great bend with a sense of fascination. And I've read reports of Chinese um, hydropower companies lobbying for a dam at the great bend for more than a decade now. Uh, And when I was reporting this in Beijing over the last eight, nine years, I was often uh, told that they wouldn't allow this because it's a very ecologically sensitive region. Uh, not necessarily because of India's downstream concerns, but just because of the fact that the Tibetan plateau ecosystem is so sensitive, and especially at this uh, part of the reverse course. So there were a lot of environmental groups in China that were not in favor of the project. But as you know, Giant, unlike in India, once a project is given the green light by the central government, it will be pushed through uh, regardless of the impact on the environment or what uh, NGOs may be saying about it. So, So it is the first time that the lower reaches of the Brahmaputra have been opened for hydropower exploitation. Uh, and one hydropower company giant called Power China, which is a state-run hydropower company, said in November that they were particularly interested in the Great Bend. Uh, and that's where they wanted a dam to be built. Uh, and on March 8th, uh, in the middle of the NPC, we've also had comments uh, from officials uh, from the local government uh, of the Tibet Autonomous Region local government who were saying that they want construction uh, on this project to begin. As of now, Jayant, we don't know the specifics of the project, if it is indeed going to be built at the Great Bend, what's going to be the size of this. These details are being awaited. But the fact that it's been mentioned in the five-year plan suggests very strongly that it's received sanction from the highest levels in China. So it seems very unlikely now, Jayant, uh, that anything will come in the way of, of this new project. Right. 
So, um, you know, water sharing issues can be very sticky. Um, you know, uh, Tamil Nadu and Karnataka, for instance, have had this issue for the longest time uh, with the Kaveri. But that kind of extends when you're talking about the Brahmaputra to international boundaries as well, because um, it runs, as you say, uh, from China down to India and then down to Bangladesh. So, um, you know, given the current kind of strategic uh, geopolitical situation with China, um, what are the issues that this throws up in terms of uh, the fact that um, China potentially through the building of these dams has the power to control uh, the water supply that flows downward? And what, what should India be worried about, if anything? So, uh, Jayanth, is actually uh, slightly more complicated than I think um, most mm. people uh, assume. I think uh, the minute you see Brahmaputra Dam, China, I think immediately alarm bells go up. Uh, and mm. I think there's this kind of perception that the upper riparian country has a tap that it can turn on and off. But actually, uh, the, the systems of how reverse function are very, very complicated. It's not that your flow is entirely dependent on your source. Uh, the catchment area of a river it works out entirely through its course. Uh, I've spoken to Indian officials about this, and there isn't a figure that's agreed upon, but I've heard one estimate that as much of 40% of the Brahmaputra's catchment area in India is within India's territory. Uh, so it's not that it's 100% reliant on flows that come in from Tibet, which is something for us to keep in mind. The other thing, Jayant, it's important to look at what exactly the projects are. Uh, are there diversion projects? Are there hydropower projects? So far, uh, Chinese authorities have said the four dams that are built are run-of-the-river projects that store water for hydropower generation, and they don't drastically alter the course of the river, uh, which is what they've been saying so far. Uh, there's a longer-term plan, giant a water diversion plan, uh, which China has been working on on other rivers in China, which haven't yet come to the Yalong Zangpo. But that's of a far higher degree of concern uh, than hydropower dams because they involve uh, diverting sections of the river uh, to arid regions of China. Uh, that hasn't happened yet, but that's something that Chinese planners may embark on if uh, the situation in dry parts of northwestern China and northern China get dire. Uh, so hydropower dams are a lesser degree of concern and alarm than diversion projects. That's something that uh, is to be noted, Giant. But at the same time, I think the jury is out and how building a series of dams will certainly affect the flows of the river is the consensus of most environmental experts that I have spoken to. Uh, they say that it doesn't matter if it's just a run-of-the-river dam, but if you're building a series of dams, you're, you're certainly going to affect uh, the entire ecosystem. You're certainly going to affect the river, especially, Giant, at a, at a place as significant as the Great Bend, where the river has a very dramatic change in its course. So all of this, of course, depends on the size of the dam China is planning. Uh, and But the worrying thing for India is that there is no water-sharing agreement or water-sharing treaty in place between India and China. In fact, there is no water sharing agreement that China has with any other country, and it is a source of big concern since rivers from China flow west uh, to Kazakhstan. It's been a problem between China and Kazakhstan. Uh, the Mekong River uh, flows through Cambodia, Thailand, Laos, and Vietnam, and there's perennial concern in those four countries about the number of dams that China is building in Yunnan province before the river flows into the Indochina region. So it's something that's affecting China's relations with many countries. There is concern among many of China's neighbors. It just happens to be that because of Tibet, uh, which is sometimes called the third pole, 
China happens to be in control over the upper reaches of many of these rivers. It's not that India and China haven't discussed this issue. I should briefly mention that there is a joint working group, uh, an experts group that's been uh, meeting for many, many years now. Uh, And China provides twice a year hydrological data to India, uh, which kind of lets India... Uh, be in the loop of how the rivers flows are so we can be prepared downstream, especially during the flood season. So there's some limited amount of cooperation that's happening. Uh, I should say that uh, sharing of data isn't immune to the vicissitudes of the India-China bilateral relationship. Most famously, during the Doklam border standoff in 2017, there were reports that China had delayed providing hydrological data when relations had gone so low. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if this timing has anything to do with the recent problems in India-China relations. I personally don't think uh, the the announcement of this new hydropower base has anything to do with the border crisis, only because I've been following for so many years now uh, that people have been lobbying for this dam. I think it's more to do uh, with the economic benefits that China sees. And also, Giant, that we should note, uh, China recently announced this big target to peak its carbon emissions by 2030 and to go carbon neutral by 2060. And a big element of that goal is a major boost to hydropower, which has given, I think, uh, this very long dreamt of project uh, a new lease of life uh, in the way mm-hmm. the Chinese hydropower companies see it. Right. So you think that uh, that kind of commitment to um, to hydropower and building the capacity of hydropower is um, another sort of major lens through which um, we in India should view this project rather than sort of immediately jumping to the strategic implications, if you like. I'd say it's a bit of both in the sense that I think there are broader motivations and I don't think it's a China-India issue uh, in terms of influencing the Chinese government's decision to give the green light to this project. Uh, I think perhaps mm. it would have anyway happened regardless uh, of whether or not India-China relations were in this current state of crisis after the border issues of 2020. Uh, so I don't think that's necessarily a reason why they've gone ahead with this. As I said, I think there are broader issues in terms of changing the energy mix uh, that are driving these kinds of projects. But at the same time, it will become a strategic issue between India and China because India has legitimate concerns being a lower riparian state in its own interests. Uh, unfortunately for India, the very limited means at its disposal to hold China to account as lower riparian states that neighbor China uh, to the south, uh, such as Cambodia, uh, Thailand, Laos, and Vietnam have found. Uh, Those four countries have set up a Mekong River Commission, which China hasn't joined. Uh, But they sometimes work together to try and lobby China to provide more information in terms of what it's doing in the Mekong. In India's India's case, adding another layer of complexity to this is Bangladesh is the lower riparian state of India. And India is building dams in the Brahmaputra. So... That adds a whole another level of complexity in terms of if we are going to explore a situation where, for example, India and Bangladesh come together in pressing China uh, about managing the river together, India and Bangladesh have their own uh, issues as well. So I think it's so far there hasn't been any move for the three countries to come together to discuss how they're going to manage the river in the future. Uh, and unfortunately, from India's point of view, Jayant, it seems to be somewhat uh, right now at the pleasure of China in terms of how much India can force uh, China to listen to its interests, its concerns on managing a river that's so important for so many millions of people in India. Right. Yeah. So as you mentioned, um, you know, the the issue of uh, India building dams in the Brahmaputra and how that's affected the relationship with Bangladesh is perhaps one analogy that we could um, look at perhaps in a different episode. But the other thing that the other example that comes up, Anant, is um, the Mekong River and um, you know, how um, 
China has perhaps um, you know used uh, the, the building of dams to and how that has affected its relationship with other countries in Southeast Asia. So um, looking at that example, do you think India has reasons for concern or optimism uh, based on how that's played out? I think, Jayan, looking at the Mekong, uh, there are reasons for concern uh, because, in fact, over the last two years, it's become a really thorny issue uh, because of very low levels of water. But the problem is, Jayan, the jury is out in terms of explaining why that's the case. And that just goes to show, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, how complicated river systems are, where it's very difficult to definitively measure uh, where exactly the problem sort of has its origins. Now, in, as far as the Mekong is concerned, in fact, just last month uh, in February 2021, uh, China was sort of taken to task by the countries, the members of the Mekong River Commission, because they said uh, that water levels in the river had fallen to a very worrying level. And they attributed this uh, to China restricting water coming out of one of the dams in Yunnan province, which is at the far southwest of China and borders Thailand. Uh, And the Mekong River Commission said that uh, the color of the water even changed uh, as it flew further south-southeast. And they asked China to sort of come come out with uh, how much water they were damming. Uh, The Chinese government has consistently over many years sort of denied uh, that its dams were the reason for that. Uh, just as in the case of China, India, Bangladesh, what also complicates uh, the situation as far as the Mekong is concerned is that it isn't just China uh, that is building dams. Uh, among the other countries that lie further downstream as well, dams have been built on the Mekong and its tributaries. So these are really complicated issues. Uh, and the unfortunate thing, Giant, is there really hasn't been a situation where all of these countries have really come together to kind of safeguard this resource in a collective way. Uh, nationalism, something that comes to mind very easily when you have water issues. You mentioned at the start of the show, even within India, water inflames so much passions uh, across state boundaries. So when you come Mm. to national boundaries and people look at rivers as their national assets, it just adds another level of complexity to it. It makes it so much harder for countries to come together uh, and to figure out a way to use a resource in a fair way, which is something that they ought to do, uh, especially when there are countries that are lying further downstream from them. Anand, uh, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. As I said, we'll uh, link to your story that kind of uh, initially flags this issue. And we'll uh, get back to it at some point when we have more details, I'm sure. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jan. In Focus, we'll be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.